Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 26th of October. Flyers still not back in action tonight, although it looks like two players may be returning to action tomorrow night when the Flyers take on the Florida Panthers. We haven't seen Owen Tippett since the first game of the season. Played about a period in that game, I believe. And it looks like he may be in the lineup tomorrow night to face the team that traded him, the Florida Panthers. Of course, in that Claude Giroux deal at the trade deadline last year. Also, looks like Rasmus Ristolainen set to return as well, as the Flyers have sent down Louis Belpedio, and that makes way for a roster position for Rasmus Ristolainen, who we have not seen. I think we saw him in one preseason game, but we did not see him since. Was dealing with an injury, I think a lower body injury. So it looks like we'll see both of those guys coming up tomorrow night. We will not see James Van Riemsdyk had a surgery Likely at about a month, we'll see. That's not definitive. John Tortorella said yesterday uh, that will depend on how things go in the surgical procedure. So another guy goes down. Yeah, like we said before, next man up. I guess that's the the phrase of the season once again, unfortunately. Uh, So we'll see how the surgery goes for JVR and see how the game goes tomorrow night. We'll preview it in tomorrow's episode. But in this episode... A guy that I've been trying to catch up with. We just haven't been able to kind of connect and have a conversation. He was one of the hires to John Tortorella's coaching staff this offseason. And a guy that did not work with John Tortorella prior to this season. So Rocky Thompson is our guest on this edition of Flyers Daily. And he joins us now. Rocky, how you doing? I'm doing good, Jason. Yourself? I'm doing well. It's been a good start to the season. Very happy about that. And let me start with kind of when you knew you wanted to get into coaching because you played hockey for a very long time. You're a Calgary boy, man, you know, out there. So what got you into coaching? Did you know that when you were a player you wanted to coach? Yeah, absolutely. When I was, um, gosh, I was still in my early 20s. And I, I love this game. Like, I'm a hockey junkie. So you you start to realize about halfway through your career that you, you won't be able to play forever, even though you try and stretch it out as long as you can. And I was fortunate that I played for a coach in the American Hockey League in Peoria, Illinois, the St. Louis Blues Farm team. And so um, I was still good. I was still playing. And then I got to a point where there was an expansion team in the Western Hockey League. Um, and that coach that had coached me in the American League became, was their head coach. And so I applied just knowing I was getting older and we, you know, my wife and and I and my family, we were moving from town to town every year. So it was getting a little bit harder for the family, um, which we were still committed to doing. But when that job opened up basically in her hometown and I'm from Northern Alberta that, um, I mean, I I was born in Calgary, but I'm from Whitecourt, Alberta, North of Edmonton. I was like, man. I'm going to apply. I'm going to talk to him. And if I could get this gig, it's something I, I definitely wanted to to get into if I, you know, when my career was over and long story short, he hired me as the assistant and uh, that was in 2007. Um, and I've been fortunate ever since to continue to work in the game. Yeah, You stepped right from the game, right behind the bench. Now, let me ask you, I ask all guys that were players that turned coach, were you a coachable player? <laughs> Oh, yes, I was very coachable because I, I couldn't rely on my skill. So I needed all the help I, I could get in order to, to get a little bit better any way that I could. So, no, I was I think that that's helped me as a coach is, is I really had to learn details of the game. And I, I played both as a forward and a defenseman throughout my career. 
and and those situations i think helped me when you when you teach fundamentals and again because i wasn't a gifted skater i didn't have great hands that um those simple little things really allowed me to be much more effective as a player and obviously i was a physical player so that that was something that uh, was kind of my bread and butter but i always wanted to improve myself and and now i can i was able to pass that on you know as a coach and, and continue to grow and had a lot of good mentors especially working in the edmonton oilers organization was you know unfortunately for them it was going through some tough years with the oilers but they had a lot of different coaches coming through and uh they were great people and they were willing to sit down with me and and teach me and like i said mentored me and Billy Moores was a guy there that was really instrumental as well. Um, coming down through, the people wouldn't be familiar with this in Philly, but uh, Claire Drake was uh, a legend in Canadian men's hockey university. And I mean, he was really a pioneer when you look at a lot of the coaches that came under his tutelage from Mike Babcock, Barry Trotz, uh, George wow. Kingston. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. It, it, I don't even do it justice. There, there's so many guys that came through the Canadian University and really that, that vein goes down through Claire Drake. And so um, I learned from a lot of good, knowledgeable people at a young age, coaching wise, that has helped me to this day. Rock, when you stepped off the ice, as a player in 07, could you have imagined that the kids coming into the game now would be this dynamic, this skilled, this refined and ready for the NHL? Yeah, yeah. I started seeing it then um, because that's kind of the the role I, I served as a, as a player when I was older, as a, as a captain of my team and stuff, as a mentor of these young guys coming in. And they were, man, they were so good. And, and you know, we had a few first rounders down there. And then as a coach, plus I had a young family. And so my, my children were coming up through the game as well. And just seeing those players that were coming up, you know, that were in the, the late nineties that were being born um, and on, I was like, Holy smokes. It's, this is, this is carrying it to another level. And so I'm not shocked. And, and then when you see the dynamic of the game with the salary cap and how you need those young players who can give you a lot of bang for the buck at a low cap hit, it, it just makes sense all, all around. And, and they're more than capable of doing it, too. Yeah. I mean, not only that, they're ready, you know, more emotionally now than ever, too. Uh, although there's still a lot to learn when you come into the league as a young player. What, what was the, you know, your first impressions of Philadelphia? Had you spent any time here prior to coming? And since you've been here, what have you thought of it? I mean, you're getting a nice World Series run. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's great. I, actually, I've never been um, to Philly as far as living in this area. It's one of the few places as a player or a coach that I, that I really haven't been is on the East Coast. And I was in Hershey for, for a year. And, and um, so that was probably as far um, far east as I've gone, but I love it. I, I think it's great. I, and as a player, I always wanted to play or be a Philadelphia Flyer or a, or a Phantom at the time because of, um, obviously, the way I played. My name was Rocky. I think it would just go off great <laughs> as a player. And um, obviously, that never came to fruition. But now, uh, being a part of it, the history I grew up when I was a kid watching video, you know, we'd get these videos like Rock'em Soccer Hockey, but there were different style of videos back then. And it was a broad street bullies and, and being my brothers and I, and the way that we played watching Billy Barber and, you know, Mel Bridgman and Oof, Bobby yeah. Clark. So, I mean, and then you look at Bobby Clark, who is the best player on the team, but uh, you know, the physical game that he would play and um, my gosh, you know, um, Moose DuPont, Mad Dog Kelly. So uh, these guys were just 
guys that I grew up kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, and then I walk in the room, I'm here and Bobby comes into the room and you're sitting there talking to him like, man, the, the guys I grew up with uh, could see <laughs> what I get to do on a daily basis. They would just, you know, they would die. And um, yeah. so I count it as a blessing every day I get to come in here and, and obviously work and do the job that I love. But again, to be surrounded by the people that we have here is awesome. Uh, Shawzy Bradshaw is uh, a very intense coach. We know the head coach has a very high level of intensity. Uh, you're regarded that way as well. Um, how did it come to fruition with Torts to get you on the staff here? Well, I had an interview with Torts over the summer, and um, he was looking for somebody um, that would work with the forwards, offensive zone schemes, offensive uh, play. And people would look at me saying, how is that even possible? Do you know what I mean? Like with the way that, that I played, I wasn't definitely an offensive player. But, um, you know, I, I grew up as a wrestler and a boxer probably first. And, um, mm -hmm. and then hockey was something I did. And when I was kind of able to blend those disciplines into the game, all of a sudden I was valued as a hockey player. But in those two sports there's a reason they call it the sweet science is you're very strategic. And, um, and so I took that kind of a mindset, uh, you know, as a player, even though I couldn't apply it again, offensively and stuff, but as a coach with those strategies and, you know, move counter move kind of thing. And so that's kind of how I did a presentation years ago at the NHL uh, coaches association. It was probably in front of a couple of thousand of the coaches and it was again on offensive zone structure and I, I really felt and I was told this after the fact when I did that presentation that it really put me on the map and kind of changed the conversation of how people thought of me as a player and how they saw me now as a coach and so with torts I, I presented to him um, my vision of offense for the team five on five and, and on the power play and I think it resonated with him you'd have to ask him but after that interview um, it, it really seemed like it clicked and I'm intense, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, you know, energetic, I guess you would say. Um, I love being around the guys. I love joking with the guys too. And then when it's time to work, it's time to work. And so, yeah. um, there is a, there is a yin to my yang, um, when it comes to the intensity. And, um, I think as a staff, all of us blend really, really well. Oh, that's fantastic. I love the the boxing. I'm a huge wrestling fan, not like WWE. Like I went to Penn State and they have a great wrestling team there, a couple of national championships. And yep. it, wrestling and boxing is, you know, it's interesting that you said that, Rocky, because boxing and wrestling is the art of defending and attacking at the same time in a lot of ways. Yep. Isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, it is. And you With can apply that to hockey. I I, I love that. Well, because it is, it's the same thing when you think yeah. in terms of principle, it's, it's defending and attacking and, you know, they, they work together and they complement one another. They really do. One if can done lead properly, to the other, though, right? Oh yeah. Done properly. One can yeah. lead to the other, but if done incorrectly, one can lead to the other too for the opposition. Yeah. You know what I mean? No doubt. No doubt. Um, what have you seen so far? You know, your power play clicks uh, in the first four games, didn't click in the last two, but um, you know, it's definitely a different look power play than we've seen here the last couple of years where a lot was run off the half wall with Giroux. And you got Tony D'Angelo back there who is really is a dynamic power play player. What have you seen out of the power play so far? 
No, we've had some some moments without a doubt, and it's it's a work in, in progress because a lot of guys have not played in these positions. We have Travis Konechny in the bumper, and I think he's going to be an outstanding bumper, and he's still learning um, that the chemistry of the power play to get the guys. It's so important when you're when you're on a power play that's been successful, and, and you could use Voracek and uh, Giroux. They had a great chemistry, and then you had. Um, Braden Shen and uh, Wayne Simmons in, in the, that area. Goss Bears, I think, was at the top at the time, too. Yep. And they all kind of knew what they were going to do in, in certain situations. And, and it becomes a sixth sense kind of. Well, now, we're not there yet. And there were some things coming out of last year, bad habits. Support was not very good. And, um, you know, loose puck battles were just down the other ice, giving up shorthanded uh, opportunities and goals against. So sometimes you got to crawl before you can run. And we had to instill a lot of those principles first. And I like where those things are going right now. I think that that those are starting to get in place and those good habits are starting to happen. And uh, I think they're starting to find some chemistry. You know, we we kind of shot ourselves in the foot a little bit the last couple of games, just, um, you know, going offside, for example. And, um, um, you know, there's certain situations in the last two games, we've only had two power plays. They've been cut short because of four on four. Yeah. So um, again, uh, like I said, it's a work in progress and we're starting to do some things in a positive way. I think our breakouts been a lot better this year than it was last year. That was really an issue of uh, gaining possession in the offensive zone after an exit. And I think our guys are doing a better job of that right now. Um, and establishing that setup. And I think once those kind of things get cemented in, then um, again, that chemistry and it's going to come. But, you know, we've taken some hits right now. You know, JVR uh, left the game. Yep, exactly. Tip was out there doing really, really well through exhibition season. I was really excited to see him. And and so, you know, that, and that's not uncommon for other teams. They have to go through those things too. But that, that kind of, it, it, it stubs your toe a little bit. But um, I like the attitude is much better where they're not coming to the bench right now and rolling their eyes. They're more with a worker's mentality, um, which is important. You, you see the, the penalty kill. They're always going to try and outwork you. There's no doubt. And so, again, I think that our work ethic has been better on the power play. And uh, that's a foundational point. And so good things come from that. And the hockey gods always reward your effort and your stick-to-itiveness. And um, they definitely don't reward complacency um, or uh, outside of that. It's just a lack of work ethic. So I think we're going in the right direction. Yeah, PK is is about not necessarily about skill. It's about will. And one thing I always say, Rock, you know, in team sport, you know, the, the predictability in offense is a huge issue. If you're predictable, you have to be able to change what you do and show different looks. And that that's a big part of the power play at having that variance to attack in different ways. Because if you become the one trick pony, the other teams in this league are too good. They'll stop the one trick. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And um, that's that chemistry, right? Yeah. Sometimes you can get away with it a little bit more in regular season, but a hundred percent when you get to a playoff, if, if there's not, if you're not multifaceted, then you're, it's easy to shut you down essentially. And so, yeah, without a doubt, we, we want to, like last year, for example, we didn't use the low ice at all, like, like at all um, from the video that I had watched. And a lot of things ran through, through Giroux uh, and justifiably so for a lot of years, it was successful. But I think, um, you know, this year we definitely want to open it up. I think Tony does a very good job of creating space for our flanks to make plays. 
and to, and to not just do the same thing over and over again. We have a shot threat from the point. We've used that. Um, I think TK is a really, really good bumper. And just like Braden Point is, I think he's smart. He makes plays, but he's also sh- uh, a good shooter. He scored a couple of goals there this year. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's missed a couple that were, you know, <laughs> yeah. he could definitely have more. So, so it's going in the right direction and, and, and I'm happy where it is, but again, it's, it's a process and we're going to have some good, good times and we're going to have some bad times and we got to stick to the plan. Rock, I've been around this game. I'm 50 years old and since I can remember, and I don't know that I ever saw, I saw something in a preseason game on a five on three that you guys did. And it looked like you were running your five on three from two guys below the goal line. I will tell you as a goaltender, that's hell because you got your back to what's in front of you and you ended up getting a pass out into the slot for a one-time goal and the five on three. Is that something we could see, you know, playing, you know, low to high plays from behind down below the goal line. Yep. There, there, we do run a couple of set plays and, um, and so again, there's a there's a structure to it. And so what you saw there was was a play that we were trying to do, and, and Tony ended up uh, scoring a goal in that. But, yeah, bingo. Um, <laughs> again, teams pre-scout you, so that can become something that you can, you know, teams can pre-scout it and and kind of thwart at the same breath. So so we have other plays that we'll run um, as well that may look similar, but uh, definitely that is a situation that we we try to do because you're right. It, it does make the goalie play deep and then it's hard for them to get out and get square on the angle. Like you said, um, it, it's difficult for them, but there's other things that we're going to be doing for sure. But at the end of the day, we, we do got to get pucks to the net and we do have a couple of sets depending on what, uh, the way another team may uh, kill on a five on three. Uh, so hopefully we get more of them because then yeah. we can see a few of those plays again. Yeah, there's so many options when the goalie's looking behind the goal line. He's not sure where guys are moving. He's taking peaks, but so much can change so quickly, and there's a lot of variables at where that puck can go. I mean, you could have come out to D'Angelo there, and he could have gone cross ice. Yep. You know, the, he, he could have gone back door to somebody or one-timed it, so the goalie's got a lot to consider in that situation. Um, let me ask you about Morgan Frost, because he's a dynamic talent, Rock. Um, he, he's you know, piled up points in the OHL, the AHL as well. He's trying to find his footing in the NHL this year with a lot of opportunity in front of him. What have you seen out of Frosty? Well, I've seen some good moments with him for sure. Um, I think he needs to use his legs more, especially through the mid zone. He is so fast and he can use that speed to his advantage, not only in a dynamic way, without a doubt, but sometimes in a simple way, especially in a situation like the last game in a back-to-back, for example, that he's going to be fast. San Jose was playing a back-to-back too. Um, and he can use those legs to to manage pucks and then get to those first touches behind the defenseman and make it difficult for them to turn and go. And that's something that he has to do a little bit better job of. I think he has battled pretty well in our own end. And there were some situations in one last night uh, or two nights ago, rather, against Tommy Hurdle, who who is a very strong one on one player. Yeah. And Frosty battled him really well in the second period and created the separation, a change of possession we were able to go. So I think that's going in a positive way. And now up ice, we need him to be first to the puck a lot of the time and, and to get and win those battles down low. And then when he gets down low, um, again, he's going to play against some big, strong defensemen. 
that he won't be able to out muscle, but he can outspeed them. He can cut back, misdirection on those plays. So those are areas of uh, his game that has to grow in the offensive zone because what he's going to do is create space for himself. He'll help create space for his line mates. And then the skill that he has, we're going to start to see that. And I, I coached against Frosty when I was in the OHL. I was a head coach, and um, he was in Sault Ste. Marie. And, and he, man, he was fast, and, and he was hard to defend. And he has that ability to do that. He just needs to, to, again, like I said, get into those trenches and then get out of the trench before he gets bogged down. And then the plays won't die there. Yeah. It's when you have that speed too, you can, you don't always have to go full bore because you can set a guy up by not, if you're always going a hundred miles an hour, they can gap you. But if you can use that speed, turn it on and off, at the appropriate times, you can really take advantage of some guys. Uh, let me ask you about one more player, and then I'm going to let you go. But Noah Cates comes up. Um, he's primarily been a winger for most of his career, but, Rock, he is a, a – you can tell he's the son of a coach. I mean, the detail in all zones with him is almost beyond his years at this point. Really good in the neutral zone, knows when to attack and pressure, you know, on the offensive end, in the D zone, all of those things. But he's in the middle now. What kind of challenges does, does that kind of bring onto Noah's plate? Because there's a lot more responsibility, in particular in that D zone below the dots. Well, the first thing would be the face-offs, and that's something yeah. that you know because you, if you're not strong in the circle, you have to start without the puck. You know, in the prime parts of your shift, when you still got a full gas tank. So that is something that um, you know he obviously is going to have to work on to get better in that. But he will because, you know, like you said. He's so smart with hockey sense, and he's one of the few players that I coach that you can make a verbal correction to him, and he can do that visually in his own mind and apply it on the ice. A lot of players have to see the video or mm -hmm. they need you to draw it out, but, but very few players, you can just verbally say what they did. They can retrace it in their mind, what you're talking about, know exactly what it is and go out and apply it. So that, that really makes his uh, coachable, makes him coachable, but really his learning curve is quite fast because of the ability to do that. And, and so sometimes he can do it in real time. Next shift, you can go out there and, and apply that. And so I, I don't see a lot of negative things in the details of his game from the middle ice because he's so responsible in, in those areas of his game. So I think um, when he plays there, it does limit his offense a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and you know, he's played college. So I think the, uh, the season with college players that I've worked with in the past, um, it's always hard once you get into November because that kind of becomes hard for them where they're not used to playing so many games in such a short period of time. Now, he has such a great work ethic, and he's, he's so well-prepared physically that he might be able to push through that a little quicker than some other players that we've had. But that'll be interesting to see the grind and how it wears on, uh, on him moving forward, especially at the center position, because it's a much more, I think it's the hardest position in the game. Yeah. outside of goaltending but from a skater's position you have so much responsibility typically you're you're back in your own end a little bit more than the other forwards are even though in our coverage you know anybody could end up being our low forward uh the centermen typically end up there more than the other than the wingers do and so um but he's done a good job i mean he's done a really good job yeah i imagine he's one of those guys that is a treat to coach because of all those reasons you just laid out and you can tell there was a lot of great car rides with his dad talking about the details of the game, which uh, I, I always say you can see a coach's kid on the ice at any level. You can see the detail in their game, right side of the puck, 
in all zones, those kind of things. Um, Rock, welcome to Philadelphia, man. I really appreciate the time today. Um, best of luck coming up on Thursday, uh, another game. You're going to see uh, the Florida Panthers for the second time this year. And uh, it's a lot of fun talking to you, man. I really appreciate it. No, anytime, Jason. Thanks to Rocky Thompson for taking the time to join us on Flyers Daily. Really enjoyed the conversation. Some uh, interesting, interesting perspectives. And I love what he said about wrestling and boxing. And it is true. Wrestling and boxing is one of those sports where you're defending and attacking at the same time. And that is apropos in hockey. So thanks to him for joining us. Thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a game day edition. We'll preview Flyers Panthers coming up tomorrow on a brand new edition of Flyers Daily.